What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for changemakers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. All right, we are back with another episode of Practice Good, and I'm so excited to introduce you guys today to Jenny Claycomb from Amigos de las Americas, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about what she does and the change that their organization makes in the world. Welcome, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show today. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do and the organization you're with and how you guys are changing the world. It's my pleasure. So I work for an organization called Amigos de las Americas, or just Amigos for short. And I am the director of development, which means I'm responsible for fundraising strategy and the activities within the organization. And so I sit on the management team as well, since I know we're talking about nonprofit leadership today. So um, can I tell you a little bit about Amigos? Yes, go for it. Awesome. So we're a youth leadership and development organization. So we serve youth from the U.S. and Latin America, and we um, our programs are leadership development and service immersion programming. So we've actually been around since 1965 okay. and served 30,000 students over these past 56 years. Oh, wow. So you guys, you, have, you talk about service learning. So you're sending kids from... Um, Talk to me more about that. What does the actual program of it look like? That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know when we say what is what is actually leadership development, right? Um, Yeah. So put simply, we we really believe in the power of young people. So we know that right now, right, they're students, but they shouldn't have to wait until they're, I'm using quotes, but, you know, adults to make positive change. We know they have amazing ideas and perspectives and skills that can be put to good while they're still students in these formative years. So we give them that opportunity to go out into the world and make a a difference, to make positive change. But we also know that, you know, we can help them develop into leaders who are civically minded, who have a global perspective, who develop empathy and know how to work with others. And that this is really important skill for them to form while they're younger. And as they move into their life of hopefully becoming, you know, lifelong leaders who are invested in their communities and making a difference for the rest of their lives. That's so cool. Now, is it here in North America or is it, I, I know it's in Spanish. So is it South America? So, so yeah, we work in the Americas. And so the majority of our students are from the U.S., mm-hmm. but we work all throughout Latin America. And we also have thousands of students from Latin American countries who have completed an Amigos program. And so we operate some programming in person in the U.S., We operate programs in countries throughout Latin America. So it's this lovely exchange of students from all these different countries. Um, And and this year, as I'm sure you could imagine, um, it's been a little different. So we've done a a lot of virtual programming. But next year in 2021, we're hoping 
to get back to more in-person programming. So students are getting on planes and traveling, um, but we'll also offer virtual options, you know, just as the pandemic, um, you know, until we get that under control. Oh, that's, yeah, I feel like every organization right now is, we call it at my, in my job, we call it the the COVID pivot. And we're like, we have to make a TikTok out of this because, <laughs> because literally every organization is having to pivot. It's like, oh, well, this is what we normally do. But right now, here's what it looks like. So I totally get it. Is, so you're saying it's like a program that students like high school age, is that what it is? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So What's a program? So we, um, in uh, non-COVID time, so hopefully we'll get back to that. We have different lengths of programs for students actually from middle school age up until college age, we say about 23 or 24. So our shortest program for middle school students is two weeks. And then our longest program is a gap year for college age students or just recent college graduates. And so, yeah, they would go and, and you would live with the host family. So hopefully we'll get back to so that one day, so you're learning about a community, you're working on lo- local service initiatives, you're completing our leadership curriculum. So you're having this life-changing, really experiential education experience. Oh, that's so cool. I used to, I did a program evaluation years ago with an organization called World Vision, and they were in the Bronx, and there's a program called the Youth Empowerment Program, and it sounds very similar, but there they worked with like an at-risk youth, like if they possibly had been kicked out of school, those types of things, and it was like more of an after-school program, but it was all about civic engagement, and at the end of the year, they took them to Washington, D.C. to learn how to lobby for the causes that they became passionate about, and the whole idea is to show them their power and to show them that they can leverage that to make a difference in the world. I love this. That's awesome. What a great cause you guys have. So yeah, it's so, yeah, it's so amazing. But yeah, thank Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So what is your mission or vision there? Like, what do you guys hope to do at the end of all this? How do you hope to change the world with this? So our vision and uh, for any of the the folks who nerd out about strategic plans, yes. um, we went through a strategic planning process last year. And since we are uh, an organization with a long, you know, decades of history, we did um, a mission and vision update, a refresh, just as times are changing and the world changes. So yeah. our vision now um, is a world where all people are lifelong leaders sharing responsibility for our global community. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I love it. So I'm sure... And as we talked about COVID, like, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have faced obstacles. Like, talk to me about some of the obstacles you guys have faced in leading this mission in, to become reality in the world. What have been some things you've had to overcome? Yeah, it has been a challenging year. And it's funny, we do use the word pivot as well. So um, <laughs> I know what did uh, the Webster's Dictionary or whoever came out with the word of the year, it was unprecedented, I think I heard, but I feel like it should have been pivot. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yes. Um, So, yeah, we have had to change our whole model because we did international programming and it was very um, people-based, right? So it was all human-to-human connection. So the first few months were difficult, um, but we rallied together and, and we have a really strong community. We have a great board and advisory council who's, you know, helped guide our team and, and give us guidance and how to navigate this really challenging time. And we have an amazing partnership network. And so we took a deep breath and said, okay, like we need to be creative and innovative. And out of that came some really amazing virtual programs with some lovely activities like 
virtual host families and pitch panels where students were able to, to be mentored by our current community and their service project design. And we had students from different countries. We had to figure the technology out. But, but it, was, it was a really powerful example of when you come together and, and don't give up what you can accomplish. Um, and, and I would say something that has been difficult for us and in this moment as we're looking into next year, we're really hopeful that we can return to in-person programming. But our model has always been to be very, very mindful of the communities that we work in. And so we're not going to go back to the immersion experience and putting students living with host families because we just don't feel like that's the responsible decision to make for any of our communities. So we're going to have students travel in pods together, but, but that's been challenging, right, to, to think about what's the, the most impactful program for our students, but then also making sure that we're having a positive impact in the communities where we're going to be working. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I've, I mean, my next question was, where do you guys see yourself going in five to 10 years? But that kind of sums it up. That's interesting. You've really had to be innovative about how do we accomplish the same mission, but possibly with a different method and strategy. Um, that's really powerful in nonprofits right now. Like we're, a lot of people are really connected to the method. And, um, and I think we're going to have to kind of let go of some of that and really restructure and think of how do we get the outcomes that we still want to get, but with a different method and strategy. So that's really powerful. Wow. I'm nodding my head. Yeah. Total agreement there. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to shift real quick. Um, what is it like as a female nonprofit young leader and how has it been, you know, just to kind of on your personal journey to kind of get where you are and be in a leadership position where you are able to kind of live out your mission in the world? That's a great, great question. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think I I always knew I wanted to go into the nonprofit world. Um, In college, I had that in mind and I had some amazing internship experiences that just solidified that for me. So I've I've been really working in this world, you know, sort of for a decade now. And And that's been really powerful and had the opportunity to have some different experiences before coming to my current role. Um. And I would say, and I think I saw that we share this, but I have an MPA, so Master's of Public Admin in Nonprofit Management. And that was really helpful, I think, in giving me the foundation as an early career professional um, in going into a leadership role. You know, I think there's always that combination of hands-on practice with the theory, but it really was uh, important to me. And that's why I went to get my master's and really has helped me as as a young, young leader, right. In serving my mission and understanding what my role is and who the duty is to the public, right. For, for my role in a nonprofit. And so that foundation has really, I think, helped me in, in becoming a nonprofit leader. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said you've been doing this for like 10, 10, over a decade, like 10 years. Have you always been with the same organization or what has your journey been like getting to where you're at? Yeah, so in college, I had some really great internships um, in New York City. One that I would highlight, just go check them out. They're awesome. Um, Make the Road New York. They're a grassroots community mobilization organization. So they were a wonderful experience um, and education and how you work within a community and passionately going after your issues and never backing down. So they were awesome. Um, I traveled a bit after college and then actually worked in higher ed for a few years, which, you know, is not 
you know, it's a little different than nonprofit world, but, but aligned. And that was great. Um, actually, it was a public university. So it was a nice hybrid of public sector, private sector-ish. Right. Yeah. And then I came to Mamigos, where I've been for three years. Oh, that's awesome. So in your journey, your personal journey with this idea of for us, practicing good is like practicing medicine, right? Like we're all in this journey of like um, us as nonprofit leaders or social entrepreneurs, um, people who care about social impact in their business, you know, we're on this journey of just continually practicing good, like the art of practicing good, you know, what have been some wins in your life? Like just, I mean, whether they're professional or personal, what have been some wins in terms of your journey with practicing good? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. <laughs> um, I, I think relationships are what makes change, honestly, and lasting change. And I've moved around a lot. So um, I've met a, a lot of really awesome people. And I hope my hope, and they, they've left an impact on me about, you know, they've changed my perspective of the world and helped broaden my understanding of who we are as people and what's important to us and where values differ, which is okay, and where they're the same. And so the biggest wins I would have are really thinking about just the amazing people I've met on my journey and knowing that there's so many wonderful people out there all over the world who are doing great things in their communities. And whenever I feel like I'm, I'm able to build that relationship that I hope that I've also given them that impression of me, those are the ones that I really carry with. And I think about those people often. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I love. That's so good. I agree with you. I feel like at the end of the day, sometimes we get caught in all the process and the strategy and like we forget that people are the end goal in all of this. I remember I worked for a church one time and my boss came to me and he's like, Shiloh, you're so busy in the mornings. Like you need to slow down. Like the people are the end goal. Like don't just get from here to there. And I was so focused. Like I have to get all this done and I have to do this. And he's like, slow down, pull your eyes up, like see who's near you. You know, so I totally hear you on that. Like people um, and relationships and building those relationships is huge. And and really, if we all did that well, I think the world would be a lot better place anyways. So, um, okay. I have another question for you. What piece of advice would you give to maybe someone else who's trying to make change and they're in their nonprofit journey as well? What's some piece of advice that maybe someone gave you, or maybe you've kind of held with you that's helped you get through? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think something that I learned at, at the beginning was we have this view that like everything is going to be mission related that we do during the day. If that makes sense, like every task is going to be like with the students or about the students. But a lot of it is like, um, am I using the right accounting code and what's wrong with my email? It's not working. And, you know, workplace culture, you, you know, just challenges come up and that that's totally part of serving the mission and not to become disenchanted or discouraged by that, if that makes sense. And so I think that kind of also goes into like, don't letting yourself get burnt out, but embracing the fact that like nonprofits and doing like serving your mission, you're going to be part of an organization that has all of the things that make the organization happen. And that's part of the mission and not to view it as like this other thing that you have to do. Because if not, I think 
you can get burnt out or you can become disenchanted by your work. But having that clear goal that like all of this is going towards the mission is really important. That's so good. I'm going to shift because I know you work in development specifically. So talk to me a little bit about development work and, you know, as you're raising funds to create a social impact, what types of things have you learned? What have, what has been difficult? What has been, you know, the best advice you've received? All that good stuff. (laughs) Oh goodness. Yes. I know. Right. So I actually didn't ever think I would go into fundraising. Um, It's, I thought I would probably go into the the program side of things. Maybe, um, I don't know. I think a lot of people who go into nonprofits probably think that. So, but I really, I found at the university, I worked in the admissions office. So I did outreach and recruitment. So it was, my skill set was built towards going into something like fundraising. And I really like it. Um, it's the, it's this balance of the art and science of it, which it kind of pulls on two levers of the brain. So I'm, I'm being constantly challenged and the work is different every day. And I like that, that change that happens. So I, you know, would say that it's, I think people have this view. It, it's all about building relationships and it is a lot, but there's actually a lot of science that goes behind it and using data and understanding where to put your resources. And so I've really enjoyed the work. Um, it is challenging, but it's so fulfilling too, because all of our donors are just so amazing and passionate about our mission. And, and, you know, I, I hear them and talk to them and they just inspire me so much. So it's just a really fun position to work in. That's cool. So for those who are possibly listening and they're running nonprofits, maybe a small nonprofit that they're trying to get up off the ground and they're looking to kind of develop more of those um, major donor relationships, what are some of the ways that you guys have developed those in the community and really brought on people that do have those resources to help fund these things and yet have an aligned mission and passion for what you do? Sure, yeah. So I think you know, it, it's understanding that you're building relationships first. So it's going to take time. So, you know, realizing, making a plan for, okay, if you're just building a fundraising program, when you can expect your return, and that can be different for all nonprofits, but I think just being realistic about what's possible, especially in the beginning, mm. knowing that building relationships does take time. And so I think doing relationship building authentically, getting to know people where there is mission alignment you know, what they're interested in is the best way to do it. And then stewardship. I mean, it's so easy to just, our donors are already passionate about our mission. So often we don't have to convince them as much as we think we do. I think sometimes it's just recognizing them and thanking them just goes so far. So don't forget that part of fundraising. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then just be organized too. I love, I love a good spreadsheet. So make sure you have your spreadsheet or your database ready to go. Um, So those are my three tips, you know. That's awesome. How do you guys recognize your donors? Like, do you do events? Do you recognize them publicly? Is it more of just an email? Like, thank you so much. Like, what are some ways that nonprofit leaders or development officers can recognize their donors? Sure. Yeah. Lots of different ways. So I think it depends on the donor and then your capacity I mean, personal thank yous are always great. So sometimes that comes from staff or our board or, you know, other members of our organization that are closer in. We do, we try to do a lot of student-based things when possible. So having, if there's, if 
there's, you know, ethical things to consider here. But when students are comfortable, it's always wonderful to connect our donors to the students. So maybe they write thank you notes or record a little thank you video or do something like that. Um, and then it's always fun to send little tidbits. You know, I love to wear my Amigos hat. And I think yes. especially since we're an alumni organization, people love to show their pride for organizations that they're passionate about. So don't discount a good piece of swag or gear because that's just a really fun way for them to show their pride for, for, for this organization, you know. That's so awesome. Do you guys have like events for fundraising or like some kind of annual breakfast or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We do. So we, um, we are spread out across the U.S. So I'm here in Houston. This is where our headquarters is located, but we have staff in different cities and we have alumni and supporters all over the place. So um, we do events in different places, some that happen each year and some that happen every other year, every couple of years. But yeah, events are a wonderful way to bring people together and show off your mission like in the flesh, which you just, there's some, some things that are just not like virtual stuff is never going to be as powerful as being in a room with people and feeling that energy. So events are really important. And there's some donors who are more interested in events than others. Um, But yeah, I would say building in ways for people to connect and meet each other and see that they're part of a community and and like a movement is really important. And so invest in events, I would say, and they don't have to be these big galas that are super, super fancy, you know, there can be other things that are, um, you know, that require less money and are less work to put into. And so I'd say, especially if you're starting out, just try a small event and put together something that's fun and mission related and people will come and they'll get really excited and it's totally worth it. That's awesome. And then again, the COVID pivot question, how has this affected development for you guys? And I'm sure, I know for my nonprofit, we did um, annual fundraising breakfast. We were having a 20th anniversary party and everything got canceled. And then we kept putting it off and we're like, well, now we're into year 21. We're not really 20th. So we're like, we just canceled it all together and we're going to try something virtual in the spring. But we've been uh, over a year without any type of fundraising event and it's really affected us like how have you guys had to have you have you tried some virtual things have you just really gone the relational route and reached out one-on-one to let your donors know where you're at or like, what's that shift been like for you guys sure yeah oh gosh we we had a gala planned in september uh, which we uh, have moved twice already so yes i i i feel the pain there and we had, we did, we did a couple of, we called them symposiums actually were interesting and they went really well in May for past leadership, you know, past board members in particular, and some of our, um, you know, longtime donors and they went really well. So we organized these um, smaller symposiums where we shared transparently, you know, what was happening and what we were expecting for the future. And they were small enough groups that we had some great dialoguing and sharing of ideas and asking questions. So that was a great way to really update this core group of donors sort of at the same time, but also in, in intimate groups to allow that personal interaction. And then we did host a virtual uh, benefit or fundraising event in September in place of our gala that was planned. And that went really well. Um, we try to make it as interactive and exciting and fast paced as possible. And so the feedback on it was really great. I would say 
it was all the same amount of work as any planning any other event though. So at first we were like, oh, maybe this will actually be a little bit lighter. But, um, you know, we still did all the outreach to sponsors and build a host committee and we did an auction and then you have to develop a cool program. And then on top of that, you have to figure out the technology. So it's definitely worth it and a great way to engage our community. Um, But figuring out virtual stuff was trickier than I actually thought it was going to be. So not that it's not possible, but just to caution anyone out there, just make sure you give yourself enough lead time to figure it out. Um, Cause there are some, some things that you want to, you want to think about technology wise that might yeah. not be on the plate currently. Yeah. We're, we're trying to figure that all out right now. And is it worth it? And then I'm reaching out to other nonprofits and they're saying they blew their goals out of the water with a virtual event. So I'm like, well, maybe we got to figure this out. So we are looking for that in the spring and just trying to pull something off and some smaller gatherings for those who aren't afraid because we're in Florida and um, some people aren't afraid of COVID. And so we're like, Hey, if they want to get together in small groups, we'll be happy to have, you know, little coffees and things like that. But, um, but yeah, that's so helpful. Um, I have a question for you that I haven't shared with you, but I'm super interested. Um, do you have some type of, I mean, cause I know I do like whenever I talk to people that I'm engaging in our mission, like I have my few favorite stories that I love of students or people that have been impacted through our nonprofit. Um, Do you have like one or I don't know what, something that really inspires you about the mission and vision that you guys do that you love to share with your donors? Oh, goodness. That that is uh, great. We have so many, but I can certainly pick one and just run with that. So let's Let's see one that I really like to share. Well, I'll, I'll, hi, I'll shine a spotlight actually on one of our current staff members who I find just so inspiring. So her name is Nicole Mm -hmm. and she actually, so she's from Costa Rica. So we have a nice um, mix of us and and people from other countries on our full-time staff team. So she actually grew up in Costa Rica and was like grew up in one of the, the host communities where we worked. And so when she was nine years old, the, the Amigo students, you know, were coming in and living with members of her host family and they actually might've lived with her family. And so she knew about Amigo since she was nine years old. So when she became a teenager, she was one of our Latin American students who went on the summer program and then she climbed our leadership ladder and she ended up being one of like the summer staff team members on that program And now she's on our full-time staff team. And it's just really awesome because when we talk literally about building leaders throughout the Americas, like she's such an example of that. And she brings so much, so much great perspective and, and and just, I mean, inspiration to our, our organization right now. And so I think when we talk to our donors, we often think about, you know, just the impact of students in our program, but we're really out there in communities throughout the Americas. And that that's that people, that relationship thing that it just spreads. It's like a ripple. Mm-hmm. And those stories are just super inspiring. So Nicole inspires me and she's just a, a great example of what Amigos can do um, in communities. That's so awesome. I love that because I feel like oftentimes our goal is to empower people. And then sometimes we empower them to this place, but then there's, they're, they're good enough, but not good enough to be on our team or on our staff. Right. Like, and I love that she's employed with you guys that she's full time. I, I know someone who actually went through like, um, 
like a welfare to work program and they worked their way up and then they were volunteering at the welfare place and then the welfare place wanted to hire them and then they wouldn't because the person didn't have a degree. And they were all like, wait, isn't this why we do what we do? Like we're here to empower people to be able to better their lives and this person is trying to better their life and now we're saying they're not good enough because they don't have a degree even though they're doing the job volunteering. And everybody in the welfare office was so discouraged because this was their mission. Like we want to empower people and here we have this person and we're not able to do anything about it. And so they all opened up their network of like, who do I know? How can we get this person a job? And eventually this person got hired in one of their, like they had a friend of a friend who hired this person over 250 other applicants because of all of the references and um, the amount of just empowerment that happened through the welfare to work program in California. So I just thought that's so cool when you can actually see your work going kind of full circle. And then like these people are also, they have a seat at the table. They have a voice, their decision-making power, and they're, they're working towards that mission themselves. So I love that. Nicole sounds like an awesome person. That's so cool. All right. I'm going to ask you one more question that I try to ask everybody. Um, and it's just in your journey of nonprofit leadership and trying to create good in the world, like what has been, one thing or two things, whatever, um, where that has helped you to kind of take care of yourself, whether it's self-care, soul care, just what has helped sustain you? Because I know the journey can be long and it can be tough. So what is something that's really helped you along the way? Oh, yes. A great question. I know burnout is, is the, oh, what we all try to avoid in nonprofits. Yes. Um, so in, in, you know, the day-to-day I, I really, you know, I think it's important to have people within your organization that, you know, you really vibe with and they're your friends. And so I think it's, I've, I've found a nice balance of having a great relationship with my coworkers. So it, it's fun to go to work and I truly enjoy being with them, but you're able to turn it off and you build a life outside of work. And that's really, really important. And as someone who's, I've moved around a good amount, it's important to build community and it takes time, but you have to invest in that. And so I love to work, but I've gotten pretty good at turning off the computer. And so if you have a hard time with that, and I did at the beginning, turn it off, put it away and it'll be there tomorrow. And just getting that discipline can be really helpful. That's so good. It'll be there tomorrow. And (laughs) that can be overwhelming, but it also can be very freeing. Like, you know, the workload never ends. The checklist always grows. You know, like if you take time for yourself, if you're balanced, if you're investing in your own, you know, community, it will be there tomorrow and you'll be fine. Like (laughs) you're going to live. I love that. I love that. If anybody would like to get more information about what you guys do or what your needs are as a nonprofit, where can they go to find out more? Yeah, definitely. So go to amigosinternational.org. That's our website and you can find everything there. And um, yeah, if you want to send me an email, uh, my email's on there as well. And I'd love to talk to anybody too. So thanks. That's awesome. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks so much for um, hopping on and letting us learn a little bit more about what you do personally and your story leading up as well as um, the mission and vision at your nonprofit. Thank you.
Well, wasn't that awesome? Jenny has a powerful story about their organization, and I loved learning so much about development, and I'm sure you guys did too. Make sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, send a little review over, and share it with a friend or two. Help us make change in the world by empowering people through this podcast and getting the word out. If you would like more information or would just like to be on our email list or even get our free gift where you can get the ultimate guide for change-making resources, go to practicegoodwithshiloh.com. That's practicegoodwithshiloh.com. And if you'd like more community, head over to our Facebook group that is called Practice Good. Cannot wait to meet you there. So excited for next week. Thanks for tuning in, guys.